This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. Echo Charles sitting here with me, Jocko Willink. How to win arguments. Seems like something people would want to know. Hell yeah. And if that hits you, if that's one of those topics that you say, oh yeah, here we go. This is really for you. It's really for you. And there's some people that were like, well, I don't don't seem to argue that much. Good. Good for you. Because step number one to winning arguments is not to get into arguments. (laughs) Right? And here's the thing. Who gets in more street fights? Somebody that's a skilled martial artist that trains jiu-jitsu, boxing, Muay Thai, and wrestling? Or someone that is insecure about themselves and someone that is intimidated by other people and someone that feels they need to prove their point to someone else who gets in more street fights. Mm -hmm. We know. So if you hear this question, you're like, oh yeah, I definitely need to know because I'm in arguments a lot. This is already an indicator that we're probably in the wrong spot. You are probably in the wrong spot Mm -hmm. because you're the person that's out getting in street fights. Why are you getting in street fights? Because you're insecure, you don't feel confident, you don't actually have skills, so you're throwing haymakers in the street. So, we don't want to be arguing with people. How do we avoid arguments? How do we maneuver around arguments? A bunch of things, and this is a long, this is, we could talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking about this a lot. Uh, obviously, a lot of this ties into the indirect approach, right? And here's the thing, here's the thing. The indirect approach, as soon as you say it, some people are like, oh, I can see, weakness. Right. Oh, if you're if you if Echo's doing something that's out of line, I just need to go direct and tell him to stop it. And you think that's more efficient and you think that's tough and it's dumb. It doesn't work good. It doesn't work. May you occasionally get there? Can someone do something that's so out of line that they need to be directly confronted? Yes, it does happen. It happens 1% of the time. Mm. Just like in combat, 1% of the time, hey, look, we don't have any choice. We got to do a frontal assault on this enemy position. Mm. This is the only option we have. We have to take this position, this hill, this this beachhead. We have to take it in order to win. We The only option we have is a frontal assault. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. That happens 1% of the time. 1% of the time, Echo Charles is so out of line or whoever is so out of line that you have to say, hey, stop. You you can't do that. You have to take the direct approach. By the way, if it's people you're interacting with, you should build a relationship with them where they already know not to take that approach. So that's like the way to win. We're trying to do all these things. We're trying to win without having to fight. Mm -hmm. The best way to win an argument is the other person doesn't even know there was an argument taking place. That's how we're looking to win. That's what we want to do. So here's some little things to think about as you go through your day. Look for common ground with other humans. Mm. What what common ground can I find? Because if you're on one side and I'm on the other side of the abyss, we're not together. We're not agreeing on things. And we can't even reach across the abyss because it's too big. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for some common ground. I look to start off, when someone wants to discuss something with me, which means they wanna argue something with me, my first effort is to agree with some point that they're bringing to me. Mm. And I'll actually agree with them harder if I can. Harder than? Harder than they came at me, I'm gonna take an even harder 
approach on myself. Right, right. I had somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were bringing up the fact that America, hey, America is evil. Not quite evil, but America's evil. And they brought up the Abu Ghraib prison scandal, right? Mm -hmm. Where the people were taking, the soldiers were taking pictures of them, stacking them up, doing, putting them in uncomfortable positions. They brought that up. Mm -hmm. I agreed harder than that. And I go, wait, that's nothing compared to the My Lai massacre. That's nothing compared to the Sand Creek. So I took their point and emphasized it even harder. And, yeah. So now yeah. I'm even more on their side than they are. Right, right. That's good. That's good <laughs> I crossed that abyss and got to their flank before they even could say another point. Mm. So I'm looking to agree. If I'm looking for someone to agree, guess what I need to do? I need to listen to what they're saying. Yeah. I need to truly listen to what they're saying. And as I'm listening to what they're saying, that's when I can get to find something that we can agree on, that I can build a little foothold, that I can start to build a a relationship with them where they see that I'm on their side and then they can start to listen to what I'm saying. Because before that, if we're on the opposite sides, we can't get across the abyss, we're just gonna argue. How, uh, we've had this conversation before about social media. I think I actually said on, on, on Rogan's podcast, like how many times has someone on Twitter said, you know what, great point. I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. I've changed my mind. Like that doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen, it happens so rarely. It happens so rarely, that means this is an ineffective approach. That's the direct approach, saying, actually you're wrong. In the past 14 months, there's been this many whatever, 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 I hit you with some facts. And you go, oh, thank you for pointing that out. I really appreciate it. Now I've been enlightened and now I've shifted my mind. That doesn't happen. So we're not doing that because we don't make real progress. Our ego might feel good that I told you what was up. So instead, think about how you can find some common ground, listen to what people have to say, agree with what they're saying, agree harder if you can, which is actually not as hard as it sounds. You make some point to me, I'll probably, I can probably think of a more extreme example of what you're talking about and talk about how I do agree with that's wrong. And then we wanna look at the way that these things are framed. How can you frame things with people so that they see them from a different perspective? Uh, How do you take a strength and turn it into weakness or how do you take weakness and turn it into a strength? Mm. When, when you ever heard me talk about the fact that the SEAL teams didn't really have a lot of doctrine. So the army, the Marine Corps, they have doctrine. This is how you do a raid. This is how you do an assault. This is how you do an ambush. They have, they had legitimate, and we've covered some of those documents on here. Some of those field manuals. When I first heard the first time I heard people say that the SEAL teams didn't have any doctrine, it was, it was an attack. It was a, you guys don't have any doctrine. You don't know how to do stuff. Mm, And I, this was a young me, Mm -hmm. younger, wasn't that young, but I immediately reframed it in a positive way, not as a counter attack, Mm. but as a, yeah, you're right. We don't have good doctrine on how to do things. And there's a lot of situations where that hurts us. And if you have a new guy officer that's never done an assault on a target before, he has no reference point. Great, great point you're making. Mm -hmm. 
And that's when I had to reframe the fact, but you know, you know where it does help out sometimes? Again, it's a soft little Is that if we get tasked with a mission that not only we not done before, but no one's done before, we've practiced creating an idea on how to execute that mission. So even though not having doctrine is definitely a weakness, there's also a sense where it becomes a strength. So now all of a sudden you can't really argue with that, but it's a reframing of the argument. We do this as leaders, problems, turning problems into opportunities. Turning problems into opportunities. Hey, the, uh, the supplier said they can't deliver us any more of this type of metal. Okay, cool, guess what? Oh, great, now this gives an opportunity to try this with uh, carbon fiber, right? Mm. Instead of saying, oh no, what are we gonna do? Problem, no, it's an opportunity for us to make an adjustment. Mm. Another one is, and this is a reframing, you get tasked to do something and it, it seems like it's impossible. And maybe it is impossible. So we can tell your, tell your team, hey, here's the task, here's the, here's the project, here's the mission that we've got, it's impossible. Or do you reframe it to say, look, it barely seems like this is a feasible idea, but you know what? We're gonna get as close to it as we can. So now we've reframed an impossibility as a challenge. Mm-hmm. Here's another one uh, d- that you can reframe. Somebody came and told our department that our last project was, was ineffective. It was inefficient and ineffective. Oh, well, guess what? Maybe they don't fully understand how the project was put together. So we're taking their attack and their negative attitude and turning it into our fault for a little misunderstanding that we haven't done a good job. You probably heard me do that 10,000 times. Yeah, probably, yeah. Here's another thing you can do. You're talking to someone. Reframe their emotional status. So someone's mad, and this really, this is a little bit of reflect and diminish. Reflect and diminish is, hey, I'm gonna show you a little bit of anger too, but I'm gonna diminish it. But also, you ever been in a conversation where someone makes a well-timed minor joke to ease the scenario and lighten up the attitude from everybody, right? We're gonna reframe our sadness, we're gonna reframe our anger into a little bit of levity. Now look, can you be over the top and start cracking jokes when there's a serious? No, yeah, yeah. but if you can, if you can, that's why it's like reflect and diminish is a good way of thinking. You don't take it and do the 180 out, but you, <laughs> you, you, you make a little adjustment on it. 180 out. Uh, Another way to reframe things is to ask questions, earnest questions that force someone, and that's a strong word, that I shouldn't say that word, that that require someone to answer the question that reveals something to them that you know, or you think you know, because we're being earnest, we're, we're, we, I think Echo might not see the big picture here. Mm-hmm. So when Echo says, hey, we're gonna order 50,000 t-shirts, and I say, have you run the math on what that's gonna cost us to order 50,000 t-shirts? That's an earnest question, because maybe he has. 
And maybe he's about to say, it's no, 50,000 over the next two years. Mm. He, maybe that was part of what you were gonna tell me. Mm. But if I immediately just go, do you even know how much we can afford yeah, 50,000 yeah. teachers? That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Yeah. Where are we gonna put inventory? Where, where's all that inventory? I can come at you like that. Mm-hmm. Or I can ask a real earnest question mm. and say, hey, do we have enough storage for 50,000 t-shirts? And there's a chance that you go, ooh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. We don't wanna have to rent more space. But there's also a chance you say, hey, Jocko, no, not 50,000 right now. I'm talking about 50,000 t-shirts in the next four months. We, uh, on average, move this many. That means we'll have this many at each time. We won't need any more storage space, but we'll have the inventory coming and we will never be sold out. That sounds like a good plan. Mm -hmm. So by asking some good questions, you can reframe. And I can also reframe the where it works if I say, hey, 50,000 shirts, where are we going to get where are we going to put all those? And you go, mm. and maybe I even say, well, do you think we should rent more space? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm putting that question to you and you go, right, well, right. plus you kind of sound like you're on board. Yeah, I'm kind of on board, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm kind of on board. I'm on your side. Yeah. I reframed it. So instead of you saying like, we need to order 50,000 shirts and me saying, we, that's the dumbest idea. Instead, I can supporting your idea and then you will be open to me, to us modifying that idea so it makes more sense. Uh, Another thing to think about when you're in an argument with someone, and this goes to something we talk about all the time, is to think strategic instead of thinking tactical, is to think long-term instead of think short-term. The argument that you're having with someone there is a 99.9% chance that this is not the sole interaction that you're going to have with this other human being. So a single argument is only one battle in a campaign of a relationship where we're trying to move forward. Everything is a negotiation, including the discussion you and I are having right now. And I might compromise on this conversation right now, but in the future, it allows me to have built up some leadership capital so that I can push a little harder when it when it's required. And I think if you keep that in mind, you know, you've the thing I tell people is is um, every conversation I have with someone, I'm trying to build a, a trying to improve our relationship. Yeah. So what does that mean? Oh, does that mean you're running around kissing ass? No. It means I'm trying to build a relationship because I'm trying to move us forward. And if I'm not building a relationship with you, it means I'm hurting our relationship. And if I'm hurting the relationship that I have with the people I'm working with, how does that benefit me ever? When is a situation where you say, oh, you know what? It's gonna My life at work, my life at home, my life with my friend group, it will be better if I'm worse if I have a worse relationship with the people there. You're never gonna say that. So why are we not trying to build a relationship when we're talking to another human being? So keep those things in mind. And keep in mind the fact that if you're arguing with someone, you're probably losing and you might not, you might win that argument, but you're losing. You're hurting the relationship, you're wasting time, you're not moving forward. So don't get in arguments because they're not helpful. Yeah, like in the moment when you lose an argument or you feel like you're losing the argument, sometimes it it comes off to yourself or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it's like maybe it, 
it makes you feel kind of like you're not that smart or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if like yeah. you disagreeing with something, mm-hmm. right? I'm just, <laughs> yeah, the natural yeah. thing. Like you, looking at it, looking at the big picture, that alone will just change your whole mindset about getting into debates and arguments about stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like there's, like what is the purpose of an argument anyway? It's like to come to some like conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And one guy's saying it's this way, the other guy's saying it's this way, or the other person, whatever, saying it's this way. But what if it's really not that way? Don't you want to know that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you look at the big picture, it's kind of like, bro, why are you even arguing? Yeah. You know? When I should just be asking you questions so I understand your perspective because yeah. your perspective might be right. Yeah. Or at least it might have some right points to it that I should adapt to my own perspective so I'm in a better spot. Yeah. Yeah. And let's even go extreme where it's like, yeah, you literally want something and I literally want the opposite, like for our own specific interest, mm-hmm. person, group, whatever. But we got to live together Mm -hmm. unless we're going to war. That's different. But if we got to live together or live next to each other, work together, whatever, even if we want something different, if you look at the big picture, there's still no reason to argue. Yep. Yep. Unless we're going to war. And and if you and I are not aligned, like ultimately aligned, that's something I talk about on, on the Academy a lot. The only time where you and I can't where, where where you and I can't resolve a discussion between us mm. is if you and I are literally not aligned. We're going to two different places. Mm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. As long as we're going to the same ultimate place, which in business is real simple. We want to make money. We want to take care of our team. We want to take care of our clients. Which, by the way, taking care of our clients and taking care of our team ultimately will make help us make money. Mm-hmm. In war, it's like, hey, we want to accomplish the mission. We want to kill bad guys. We want to keep our team safe. There's no one on the team that's like, hey, you know what? I think we should probably just sacrifice some guys over here for the mission. No, no one says that. No one says that. So ultimately, you do get to a point where you're aligned. Now, could there be a a possibility that you and I are, are in the same company and you want something totally different than me? Right. That is possible. You may have some scheme in your head to break off and pull some employees and go do your own thing that that could that happens Mm -hmm. and then that's why i'm asking you questions like well echo why do you want to you know set up a whole nother or why do you want to leave those clients or not take care of those clients and i don't know that you're doing it so that they can be mad so that you can set up your own company you can blame it on me and whatever Mm -hmm. you have a scheme but that's why we can't i'm saying no we should take care of the clients and you're like no those clients suck Oh, but why? And we can't, I can't figure out why we can't come to a conclusion. It's because we're ultimately not aligned. Yeah. And that's the way it works. You uh, mentioned this, uh, uh, one of this, what, tactic, procedure, whatever. Agree harder. Mm. Like that one, that's a, that's a black belt move right there. Because <laughs> not, not only does it do everything that you just said it did, it also, cause, okay, so a lot of these tendencies to get into arguments, to get into a fight with somebody, mm. to whatever, for a lot of people, for most of us, that's, we have to fight certain natural mm. tendencies. You know, if someone's like, hey, the, the way you're doing XYZ is wrong, just by nature, yes. I'm going to be like, what did you just say? We're going yeah. attack. Exactly right. So, what this does is if your protocol is to be like, okay, find common ground and agree harder, right? That's that's my go-to. That's my move. 100% of the time, that's my first move out the gate, right? If you do that, that trains your mind 
to actually find that common ground. It's worked so good. And here's the thing. Com- finding common ground isn't just a benefit to, to for you to like w- necessarily uh, be successful right. in the inter- interaction. It improves my knowledge and my position exactly. for real. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. That benefits you yep. to, to agree with them, to see it from their perspective. It gives you way more knowledge. Yeah. Exactly right. It's very disarming when you do that to people. Yes, sir. It's very disarming. Yeah. And you know what? So imagine this. You're, you and I are, are in a dark alley and you have a knife. And you and I are, you're approaching me. And I'm able to disarm you with a very whatever, with a move. That's what you do in one of these quote arguments is if I can get that knife away from you, I've already made progress. And so when you come at me and you say, "Uh, we should order 50,000 t-shirts and you, that's the knife in your hand. Mm -hmm. And I say, yeah. That would be awesome if we could sell 50,000 t-shirts. And you're like, yeah, okay. I'm already kind of like, you're still holding it. Mm-hmm. And then I say, where, you know, where can we keep them all? <laughs> you, you just, the knife just hit the ground, bro. Because <laughs> you don't want to stab me anymore. You yeah. want to help me. Act, you yeah. want to help me come up with a solution. You saying, yeah, knife hit the ground, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because think, uh, or like the way I see it is, look, I'm coming at you, 50,000 shirts. Hey, that's a lot, right? I know he's, I'm going to get some pushback from Jocko and all this stuff. So I'm ready. I'm ready with my arguments all you got staged. Knife, you got a knife. You got a secondary knife. Oh, yeah. You got a little shield. <laughs> yep, you got a exactly. sword on your back. You're ready to rock and roll. I'm, gonna, I'm just waiting for you to say no or to make a face or whatever and i'm ready i'm ready hey jocko fifty thousand shirts what up where are we at and then if you're like yeah i'll be like oh okay well i guess i don't need all these knives or nothing because yeah. he's down for the cause and then boom then we can start talking yeah it's, it's true reality. it's amazing it's and and the direct approach which would be that's stupid we don't need that many shirts yeah. immediately we're at war yes and 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 from there even if we go into a full-on uh, debate, we sit down, we do pros and cons together, that's gonna take an hour. Yeah. Whereas when I agreed with you, it takes like 15 minutes yeah, to, for you to figure out through earnest questions that that's probably not the best call. Man, and that's not to mention, once you're in a war, a yeah. battle, like you're in a battle. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's easy to say when you're not in a battle to be like, oh yeah, come to you know a conclusion or a common ground or whatever. But when you're in a battle, yeah. like you're focused on being in the battle yeah. and winning. You're there to choke people and stab them. Exactly right. So, <laughs> and you guys know this, you know, a lot of times where, you know, you hear this all the time where it's like, no, I'm not, I when I'm in a gunfight, I'm not thinking of, you know, preserving some, you know, some like the, the overall interests of this or that for the country or whatever in the gunfight. That's what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about winning the gunfight right now. So in these debates or whatever, that's a total natural way for your mind to think where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to defend myself with, with yeah. every attack and I'm going to attack this person. Yeah. And this is where the gun, to take that gunfighting analogy a little bit further, this is where detachment is important in a gunfight mm-hmm. and detachment is important in an argument. Now, in a gunfight, does detachment mean detached to the strategic level? No, but detachment back back far enough to say, oh, there's a ravine over there we can get into, which is gonna provide us cover and concealment while we move out of here. If you're staring down the weapon, you're not gonna see that. Mm-hmm. If you and I are in an argument, I'm in a gunfight. And if I don't take a step back and be like, okay, let me take a look at, well, maybe if I just agree with this point that we can be on the same side. Yeah. That's the deal, man. Yep. But you don't even have to contend with any of that. No, you don't if have to contend just, with any of that. You can just disarm people out of the gate. Yep. Man, 
I gotta keep all these in mind, man. Now, and actually, I don't really get. I don't get into debates, but I know people mm. who do, mm-hmm. who really get off on throwing out a debate. Yeah, you know, and there's you know there's people like that for sure where it's yeah. fun. I get it, you the, know, the, and that's that's almost like. Honestly, there's people that like to do that almost like you and I like to roll jujitsu, yeah, exactly. which is kind of a different thing. Like, yeah, you want to sit around the dinner table and say, oh, I believe this, you know, and oh, I, but I don't believe that at all. And there's, yeah, yeah. there's a jujitsu component to having a, an actual like debate slash argument. Yeah, that, and that, that is true and that is completely like relatable if the other person wants to. Yeah. You know, like you get he, two people. Here's the interesting thing. Even in that jujitsu, we're just going to have a debate in this way that I'm talking about is still going to be the victor. Yeah. It still wins. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, a lot of these, but a lot of arguments come up. Well, I don't want to say a lot because I don't know. I have no idea. But sometimes you can come across someone who you could tell they want to argue. For sure. You know, and like in a jujitsu situation, if me and you are rolling, we both want to roll. If I don't yeah. want to roll, I'll be like, I don't want to roll <laughs> and I'm leaving. So, you know, you have that. So yeah. essentially it's that, it's the, it's the verbal back and forth version of that, yeah. but it's almost against their will, you know? Yeah. But uh, let's face it. If you don't want to roll verbally, you can be like, Hey, yeah, fine. Yeah. But <laughs> and they keep coming at you. Yeah. You know, They'll be like, like Bro, oh, well, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. This is like the ultimate. It's like putting out a fire. Mm, yeah, it's like uh, it's like putting out a fire with more fire, like they do with oil rigs. They like set the set the they set an explosion and it blows up and yeah, sucks yeah. the oxygen away and the fire's out. Mm. This is like that. It's that kind of a power move. Just be like, yeah, that's a great point. I agree with you. Power move. Check. All right, let's get into Q and A. Q and A first question. I have just gotten out of the army, sniper in the tenth mountain division. Boom. And I'm on my way to the next stage of life, an army chaplain. Check. This has been, this, this is me being a stay-at-home dad while I get uh, my degree, which is a challenge in it, in and of itself, but I have a mission and I'm going to stay on the path. I assume you've worked with many chaplains in your time in the military, and I was wondering what advice, what advice you have uh, that makes a good one and pitfalls to avoid. Thanks. Check. Uh, so we're going to see that this is leadership. When you're a chaplain, it's leadership. And so let's think about some of the broad concepts that we want to talk about when it comes to leadership that really, really line up nicely here. Number one, um, we don't like to impose things as a leader. So you're not gonna be able to impose things as a chaplain. You're not gonna force faith onto people. That being said, you can help show people the path. And to the most underrated, the thing, to, to the most underrated skills, tools of a leader, number one, listening, number two, asking earnest questions. Kind of just talked about some of these, but the the same thing applies for being a chaplain. Now, what you have to watch out for is you don't want to be accusatory with your questions, which you can. You're in an elevated moral position. So just because you're in an elevated moral position doesn't give you the moral authority to rain down fire on other people Mm. with accusatory questions. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to, you know, that type of thing is not going to be well received. But if you ask an earnest question of somebody, like, hey, wh- wh- 
what, what is it you're trying to make happen here? You know, like you as a person, what, what are you trying, is this path that you're on gonna help you get to where you wanna go? A lot of people don't know where they're going in life. And if you ask them an earnest question of where they're going, not like, where the hell, where are you going? Mm. But if you say, hey, where, where are you going? You earnestly ask them that question, that's the way you allow people to start to have the truth revealed to themselves. So I think that's good. Earnest questions don't impose on people. I would find some periphery things to help build relationships and guide people on things that are outside of their faith. So physical fitness, like what are you doing? Are you working out? Are you, can you help people in the gym? Can you, can you, do you do jujitsu? Can you give them financial advice? Like, wouldn't it be nice if someone says, hey, you know, you got a, a young private that's behind on his car payment of the new car that he just financed. Mm-hmm. And the platoon commander goes, hey, go talk to Chaps. He'll help you get straightened out. And you have some legit advice. You can take him to a credit help place. You can help set up a, an automatic payment so he can get caught up. Like, there's things that you can do to help them out financial. What about relationships? Like, how can you help them out with their relationships? Hey, talk to... You know, the, the the platoon sergeant says, hey, go talk to chaps. He, he, what did, you, did I see? Yeah, stay-at-home dad. Yeah, he's he's raising kids too. Go talk to him. He's in a good relationship. He can give you some advice. You are a sniper. Help people with sniping. I know that sounds a little bit maybe hypocritical to be the chaplain and help people with sniper, but hey, that's a way that you can help guide people. And then as you guide people through these various skill sets, then you can also help give them some spiritual guidance. Also, all those things will help do what I think is the primary thing here, which is to build relationships with these other human beings. Because the better relationships you build with people, the more influence you can have over them. The more you listen to them, the more they'll listen to you. So it's I'm giving you some ins, right? some ends on how to start building relationships with people, not through the spirituality, which that's always on the table. You're a chaplain. People know if they want to talk about spiritual things, they can go to you. They know that. But if they're not thinking that way, and they might need spiritual guidance, but they don't even know that. But they might need financial help. They might need jujitsu help. They might need sniper help. All those things, you're, you're starting to build a relationship. And then you can probably find opportunities to help them with some spiritual guidance. So ultimately, that's how we win. Thanks for your service, by the way. 10th Mountain, get some. Next question. Jocko, I remember hearing you say on a podcast a while back that you taught your daughter to clear a room as she was growing up. I have a young daughter and would like to know what other skills you would suggest for me to teach her along those lines as she grows up i know bjj is your first answer but curious about other skills that would benefit her in area of safety primarily i intend to teach her changing tire changing and weapon exposure and use but want those jocko life lessons you imparted on your girl uh so yeah you called it bjj get that bjj get that jujitsu on for sure and look Physical fitness. Physical fitness is important for humans to have, for people to have, for girls, boys, whoever. 
we, we want to have them physically fit. And then it rolls into all kinds of stuff, right? Do, do weapons, absolutely. Like great skill to have, mm-hmm. a mandatory skill to have. Then you get into mobility. You know, you talked about change a tire. All right, do they know how to do a J turn? Do they know how to change a tire? Do they know how to change the oil? Do they know how to rig a vehicle for towing? Do they know how to, once you've got them shooting, can they hunt? Can they build a shelter? Can they start a fire? Can they purify water? And so those are all cool skills and and important skills for people to have. And then there's this whole deal, teaching them to think critically. Think, teaching them to question authority, question what they're being told. I know that sounds a little weird, right? The I actually telling your kid, hey, listen, I don't know everything. And if I tell you to do something and you don't understand why I'm telling you to do that, you should ask me why. It didn't make sense when I first said question authority, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of go, you get a little hesitant over that. Wait, wait a second. I'm going to tell my kid to question authority. I want my kids to listen to cops. I want my kids to listen to teachers. I want my kids to listen to principal. I want my kids to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is you don't want your kids to blindly listen to any of those people. I want them to question authority and make things that make sense. Teach them how to read with maximum comprehension. Reading is... If they can read, guess what? Doesn't matter if you're there. They can they can learn how to build shelter. They can learn how to start a fire. So those are important. Work on that vocabulary so that they can articulate themselves properly because that's the the most powerful school skill, being able to speak and convey ideas to other humans. This is why I say leadership is the most important skill because listen, you can't survive by yourself alone. You need a team. You need people to help you. That's why leadership is the most important thing because if Echo knows how to build a fire and I don't, we can form a team. He can, he can teach me how to build a fire. We can unify. So leadership is so important. How do you become a good leader? One of the most important skills being able to articulate yourself, having a good vocabulary, being able to communicate. And here's something I told my kids. Math, what, how, look, once you've figured out, you know, two plus two equals four and arithmetic, I don't really need to know calculus, do I? Well, what, the way I explain it to my kids is, it's like building muscle. Your brain, your brain needs work, workouts, and that's what math is. Even abstract math is a workout for your brain so that your brain learns how to solve problems better. So get the kids reading, studying, learning, playing chess, playing poker, playing poker so they can learn how to gamble and assess risk and keep their emotions in check. And guitar. Cause if your kid can pick up the get box by a campfire, they're gonna be set. Mm -hmm. 
Drawing is a skill. It's not natural. There, you might have some level of natural talent, but like John Bozak, yeah. when we were kids, he could draw really well. He's the, if you don't know, he's the guy that did all the art for Mikey and the Dragons for the way the warrior kids. But he would practice drawing. He had natural talent, yes, but he would practice drawing. And you get better at it, just like playing guitar, just like leadership, just like changing a tire, just like jujitsu. So there's all kinds of things. So this is, uh, as I went through this list and was thinking about all these different things, there's a final thought that kind of, I think, encompasses this, the, the strategy here. The strategy is diversity of skill sets. Oh, expose your kid to all kinds of different things. And one of the most important things that they need to learn is that they need to learn. Because when you pick up a guitar for the first time, you suck. You don't even know anything about it. You can probably instinctually tell how to hold it, mm. but that's it. You don't know a chord, you don't know a note, you don't know how to strum, you don't know anything. You're, you, you're horrible. And you have to practice to get better. Jiu-jitsu is the same way. When you get on the mat, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Like you think it's good to grab someone, but actually they take your arm. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn that you can get better at things. You have to learn that there's a time when you feel stupid. That's what happens. There's a time when you feel dumb. Man, when I started archery, I was like, oh, dude, I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, and even now I'll be like, God, I can't believe I just did that. Like you'll do dumb things. I do a lot less dumb things now, but I still do some dumb things. So accepting like, oh, this is challenging and I need to open my mind and I'm going to feel like an idiot right now, but I'm going to get better. Those are the things that I would focus on yeah. with the ki- with the children. The well, a couple of things that I noticed in my children, child raising journey, mm-hmm. we'll say. Um, so the whole questioning authority, mm-hmm. right? So kids, I don't know if because my kids are always joking around or maybe joke around too much. I know that's my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but like she'll ask, like why? Yeah. Too much. Well, so, so and, and not too much. And then again, I guess it depends on what you mean by too much. So not too much, but let's just say she goes hard with the why. And it's not the kind where she'll, she knows why or she's just doing it to troll mm-hmm. or something like that. It's not that. Like she for real wants to know why. Mm-hmm. Where she'll want to know why so much where it's like, dang, the, the reason why doesn't really apply as much as you're asking right now. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? But she'll be like hung up on it. So you kind of go into this realm of like, dang, right now I don't really have time to explain Mm -hmm. why because, you know. But do you say, hey, listen, write down that question right now and we're going to do some research later. Yeah, tell you later. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, dude, this is 2022, bro. (laughs) If you can't sit down for 15 minutes, Google (laughs) how a combustion engine works and walk through it with your daughter, I'm going to call child services on you. (laughs) Thanks. Here's where I thought you were going, and this is a good one. Because yeah. all my kids, this is this is important to know, my kids are all different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I raised them all with my wife, and they have different levels of obedience, mm. different levels of questioning authority. Mm. Some of my kids are like, I'm not doing that. 
Mm-hmm. You expl- Why would we do that? I'll get from some of my kids. Some other kids like, oh, that's what that's what we're being told to do. So that's what we're doing. Mm. What's interesting is, guess what my wife is? My wife's a rule follower, habitual rule follower. Yeah, like dumb rules, or or rules like like when you get something that you have to assemble. She's pulling out the instructions and following the guidelines. I'm yeah. just doing it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually, when she says, well, hey, you're supposed to put this on there first. I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> I'm not following that rule. Uh-huh. And my kids have this also, this variety of level of obedience. Now, here's the thing that's weird for me to say. If your kids aren't obedient, that's a good thing. Can it go too far? Yes, it can. Now they're out of control, of course. Yeah. But for them to be thinking on their own, yeah, that's a positive thing. We like that. Yeah. Thinking on their own. Um, as far as learning stuff, that's a good one, man, where, where you're like, and I don't know if my kids are like some anomaly or I don't know if every single kid is like this, which is probably more likely, where they're reluctant to do new things, yep. especially if it's kind of hard, if there's an element of difficulty there if they're not good at it right away. Some of my kids are like that, some of them aren't. Some of my kids are like, oh, this is what, hey, I'm gonna go look like an idiot now. Yeah. And they're totally good with it. Some of, my, some of my kids are like, I don't know if I wanna do that. Yeah. You know, I, that's, oh, I've, yeah. oh, they'll even say, I'm not good at it. Right. Hey, no one's good at it when they start. Yeah. So it's interesting that all, like your kids are gonna be different. Yeah. And still the best thing you can do is like make an attempt to open their mind and and I think that when you get them into these things over time they'll start to realize that's why it's good to introduce them to new things and make like not make them try it but say hey you got to try this you got to play guitar and you're not going to be good at guitar when you start hey you got to go to wrestling yeah. why why do I have to go to wrestling cuz it's a new thing you're not good at it and it's going you're going to learn and you're going to get your ass kicked by the way yeah, that that part is really going to depend on the kid's attitude because, like, even, like, the idea of, quote-unquote, looking dumb because you don't really look dumb. Let's face it. Like, if you're In a white belt. In your own belt, mind, you do. Exactly right. See, this exactly is the right. thing you got to remember. In people's own minds, yes. they think the whole world, especially kids, they think everyone's watching them. Yeah. No and one cares. Oh, even adults. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You get oh, someone yeah. who's never been to the gym before, they'll be like, I don't want to go to the gym. Yep. Everyone's, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's looking at me. No one's looking at you. No one cares. No one cares. In fact, the people who care are care to help you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? But I'm just saying, like, but I can't help but maybe think that a lot of that has to be, like, learned that oh, I'm going to look dumb. Of course, I'm going to be out of place. Okay, people are going to look at me. I don't know what I'm doing. There's less payoff mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing versus if you do know what you're doing. I get that that's natural. But instead of saying, like, uh, just use jujitsu as an example. Like, a white belt doesn't look dumb because they don't know that. No certain things, right? So don't look at it like, hey, and I'm just saying this is what I try to tell the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Don't look at it as, like, you look dumb. Or you suck at this. Don't look at it like that. I'm saying look at it as like you are a beginner. This is early on. You're early on. You haven't learned that part yet. You learn this part first. Then you can learn that part. And then you're going to know all this stuff or whatever. You don't look dumb. You're a beginner. That's all. That's a great great lesson. It's one of the primary lessons to teach. I think so. Check. You said something at JJ Turn or something? Oh, J Turn. What's that? J Turn. It's a high-speed maneuver in a vehicle. I understand. Mm-hmm. Shaped like a J, obviously. Yeah, so makes, a, it leaves a track like a J, kind of. Like what? Like skidding, like a power slide, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Except yeah. for you're going in reverse. Oh, uh, 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 okay. And All then right. you 
turn so that you're going forward. You see, they do it in the movies a lot. Yeah. A little J turn. Hey, did you learn to drive on a stick shift? No. Automatic? Yeah. Can you drive a stick shift yeah. right now? Yeah. So I learned to drive on a stick shift on my dad's Dodge Ram. So mm-hmm. it was like harder, like harder than a normal stick yeah, yeah. shift. So it was like, man, when I learned to drive a, like, or a when I got car. a car, I was like, bro, this stick shift is like super easy. I, I had an Uber driver the other day. <laughs> stick shift. I was like, bro, what's up with the stick shift? Yeah. yeah, I'm like driving Uber on a stick shift. He's like, I love it. Yeah, I that's, was like, cool. that's how right. He had a Subaru uh, cross tracks, yeah. something like this. And so I'm, I'm looking at the vehicle and I go, wait, do you drive? Like, do you race or something? And he goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was a rally guy. Oh, no. And he's out there, give me a give me a drive in the Subaru. And he was getting into the driving. As uh, I talked to him about it, you could see he was kind of flexing yeah, yeah. and like doing some maneuvers. Yeah, I could see. I never, I'm going to be honest, I never, I always thought that driving an automatic, like, you know, when I got my license mm-hmm. and all this, driving an automatic was way better, I thought. But I did understand when you're kind of getting after it, like, yeah. and, you know, trying to like mess around or whatever, yeah. stick shift is funner. Yes. Yeah. When I was in Germany, I was in Germany one time for like six months and got that stick shift because you're doing some more better driving over there. It's not like <laughs> driving around the city, you know, you're kind of yeah. in the roads yeah. on the Autobahn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no speed limit. Yeah, no That's speed limit on the Autobahn, except for the fact that the Autobahn, most of the time that I dro- drove on the Autobahn, it was a traffic jam. <laughs> I was so like Everybody's disappointed, man. Just disappointed. Brutal, brutal. But oh well. Maybe next time I'm on the autobahn, bro. I drove a stick shift in Australia, mm-hmm. bro. Yeah, you, obviously, you ever drove in yeah, Australia so or this somewhere is on we, the other side? Other of side. The road, yeah. yeah. So you're driving on the left side and the other side of the car. By the yeah. way, so you're on the right side of the car. So you got a stick shift with the freaking left hand. Yeah. Oh, bro, it was a little bit of an adjustment. Like your might it's like your brain is kind of more tired after yeah. driving. That's the weird thing. Germany has the same side as America, but then England is the opposite side. I forget what France is. It's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Who determines that? Or is it just random? I think it's random. Probably so was like, random in the beginning. Yeah, you but know, now like someone, just stuck with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how it, much does it suck that if you're in England, you can't? Well, you can't buy a British car here without you know with the right side drive yeah. and all. The same, same with them. We have to remake everything for them. Yeah. I've seen like um, exotic cars here. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's you on can the, see a Land Rover out there with the right side drive yeah. occasionally here in America. I saw one the other day, yeah. looking pretty good. And that's some people are hype on that. Hell like yeah. right side Hell drive. Yeah, it's like the novelty, yeah. like this. A little like, novelty activity. Yeah. Or uh, what do you call a mail? A mail truck. Yeah, mail truck goes, goes oh, yeah. the other side. That's functional, though. You know, you got to put the mail out. But the. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, we it, digress. A little bit. I heard something about why it's like that, where it had something to do with like jousting. Mm. But then. I'm not even. No matter what side of the, the road you are, you're always on the near side or the inside in your car, usually. You're inside. Yeah, you're to the inside track because you have a better visi- visibility. Right. To of the what? The, r- to the road. If you, were on the f- if you were on the outside of the road, you couldn't see as much. That's why they put you in the middle. Oh, right. If there's another lane. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Huh. You want to see that oncoming car a little bit earlier, right? A little bit better. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But then you're, 
Aren't you closer to him for like a crash scenario? Well, we're hopefully not crashing because <laughs> no, we no, have no, better we don't visibility. Crash. You're correct. Check. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Right you, are they? Do they still make stick shift cars? Yes. Though? Yeah, I was they just do. in one the other day with my Uber driver. Yeah, and I asked him if it was, was hard it? to get, and he says, no, it actually wasn't hard to get. Oh, it wasn't like an old car. But here's the thing. The new cars... The new automatic transmissions are like nine speed automatic transitions transmissions that can shift faster than a human. Yeah. So it's now it's not really competitive anymore unless you just like it. Now you might have your paddle shifters, you right. know, you, yeah. you know, might have sure, those things yeah, going yeah. on, but that's not the same skill set as as stick shift. Yeah. It's like um it's like one of those things where it's like kind of cool, right, to know how to do stick shift. Yeah. It's not usable anymore. It's not highly usable anymore. I actually, you you asked me if I learned how to drive on a stick shift, but I learned on an automatic. But luckily, I had a guy that had a stick shift that taught me how to drive a stick shift. He was older than me. He taught me when I was younger, and he gave me a, he explained the way the clutch work in such a way that I understood the concept and then it became it was kind of easy. Yeah. He was like, "Listen, it kind of fades in there. It's like a mm. it's not like a black and white thing. Right. It kind of fades in and it kind of moves through and so you got to kind of ease into this thing." And yeah. he'd explain that to me. I was like, "Oh, okay." Cuz like the first whatever nine times i tried to get it in gear and go like i stalled like an yeah. idiot like get i was a loser like i was stupid <laughs> no bro bro, tra- bro on Kauai, there's this there's this freaking hill mm-hmm. okay so it's a stoplight or stop sign stoplight and it, you're on a hill like a hill hill mm-hmm. so if you have a standard yeah, transmission yeah. stick shift bro you, you better be you on that be thing on the, good game. E- even yeah. as a grown adult it's still a thing because mm-hmm. the hill is so steep and you're going to just roll backwards into mm-hmm. the next car in fact it's it's such a known thing that people just will give you space automatically oh nice yeah and everyone has automatic cars now but still just in case that guy has the stick shift bro you got to give him some room where my wife is from in england there's a road next to her house is called steep hill <laughs> <laughs> steep <laughs> hill because it's a yeah. steep yeah. steep hill yeah I understand. Go. good place to run <laughs> not up. the best place to try and drive a stick no that much no, with the left stopped. hand it's there like... you go <laughs> all right next question all right i've always tried to stay away from the news and politics but for the past couple of years it seems to be getting harder to do that as people grow more and more divided when i'm forced to give my opinion i tend to land on the opposite side of what most of my friends and family believe it seems like everyone is becoming radicalized on both sides and hating the other side more and more. How do we get back to a place where things aren't so tense? Do you think it's possible or advisable to be willingfully, willfully ignorant of all the insanity and just enjoy your day-to-day life? I'm tired of losing faith in humanity over and over, and I'm tired of disagreeing with my family all the time over stuff that we never even used to talk about. Thanks for your advice. I look forward to the podcast every week. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we started off with the topic that we started off with tonight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and on top of that, the last underground that we did was about the fact that the first report is always wrong in the field, and therefore the news cycle that you're watching all the time, it's you can't, you need to learn to take things with a grain of salt. What that means is it don't get spun up over every little piece of information that comes out because it's been written in an inflammatory way in order to get people to click on it. On top of that, you know, it seems like we're becoming radicalized. Yeah, we literally have foreign foreign states that are trying to radicalize America. 
China's doing it, Russia's doing it, that's what they want, they want us to be divided. That's literally what's happening. So it's working, it's working in your family. So should you get caught up in that? No, you shouldn't. Is it ignorant not to get caught up in the day-to-day news cycle? No, it's not ignorant at all, it's actually smart. Important news, truly important news, takes weeks and months to develop. Look, can an earthquake happen? And that's news that you wanna know about right now? Yes. But is there some political news that pops up today that needs your immediate reaction and counter reaction? No, no. It's why, and you know, Daryl Cooper and I are, are right now in the process of putting together something that's more timely so we can kind of talk more about current events. But even when you talk about current events, Daryl and I are going to be very careful not to talk about current events that are a current event for the next 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they're not, they don't matter anymore. So the true news stories that happen, is it ignorant to not pay attention to those? Yeah, that would be ignorant, not to know what's happening globally. But so, so figure out, you know, if you read the news if you read the headlines every day and then you immediately decipher like, this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter, okay, this one's, I should know about that, cool. And then maybe once a week you do a deeper dive onto the important stories, you're probably gonna be perfectly well-informed to, to survive and, and know what you need to know to move forward in the world. And, and again, I just kind of like made those numbers up right now. I've, that's kind of what I do, I guess. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I look at the headlines, right? And then there's certain stories I go, oh, that seems like a really shocking headline. What's the real story? And then I'll dig into it a little bit more. But yeah, it it is okay to ignore the 24-hour news cycle. That is fine. Should you ignore news at large? No, you shouldn't. You should know what's happening in the world. You should look at the major strategic implications of what's happening in the world. That's my recommendation there. So family, the, just go back and listen to the beginning of this podcast. You're arguing with people. First of all, you're arguing with them. You're losing. You're never going to convince anybody. They're gonna, you're going to open up the divide every time you fight with them. And by the way, you're going to have less of a chance. Check it out. You're going to have less of a chance of influencing them the more you fight with them. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, you know what? My, my brother's just going down the wrong path. I need to attack him. Great. You attack him. He's never going to listen to you again. If you say, my brother's going down the wrong path, I need to keep building my relationship so I can have more influence over him, that's the right answer. Build that strong relationship. Listen to what they say so they'll listen to you. Treat them with respect so they treat you with respect. Allow them to influence you so that you can influence them. When when your brother says, um, depending on which side of the political aisle they're on, you know, everyone deserves health care. And you go, yeah, but it's impossible to pay for it all. Okay, now we're fighting. Mm -hmm. But if he says everyone deserves healthcare and you say, man, ain't that the truth? Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure you as a human being don't want to see people that are suffering in the streets because they're not getting healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone should have food on their table. Do you want to see people starving? No, you don't. Now, so you say, yeah, I, I totally agree. Definitely everyone deserves to eat for sure. Now let's talk about how we make that happen. What's the best way to make that happen? You know, the, the, the Soviets wanted everyone to be able to eat. They wanted everyone to have an equal share of food. 
tens of millions of people starved. <laughs> That's called communism. The Chinese wanted that too. Mm-hmm. Mao wanted that. Hey, everyone needs to be able to eat. Everyone should have the same amount of food. As a matter of fact, here's our new program for how we're going to grow more food. What do you end up with? Millions of people dead and starving. Again, I'm not, see, I'm, you can see where I'm being offensive here too. So you can't yep. get someone to listen to you if you're just offending them. So yep. don't offend them. Right. Ask earnest questions. Find out where you do agree. Because you do agree that you don't want to see people starving in the streets. Yeah. You do agree that people should have access to health care. Will it be more beneficial to just try and give everyone free health care? How has that worked in other countries? Let's talk about how that's worked in other countries. Some countries have a good example of that. Some countries, not so much. Why do people flood across the border from Canada into America? To get surgeries. There's a reason. Why is it that some people run up astronomical bills in America trying to pay for some sickness that they have? There's a reason. Why is it you can go into the hospital in England and get some relatively mid-middle-priced healthcare for free. And at the same time, if you wanna have better healthcare, even in England, you gotta buy private insurance. So there's, there's all these things to talk about. If you close your mind, you're gonna close their mind. The yeah. indirect approach will work better and is more efficient, even though it seems like it's gonna take longer. Keep that in mind. Yeah, it feels like, um you know, the classic and getting into arguments with your family and mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and it becomes this disaster or whatever. <laughs> um, even it's hard to, in a way, it's hard to imagine the benefit of getting into any back and forth politically with your mm-hmm. family. and friend. Like it, it, I mean, then again, I don't know. I'm not part of his family and mm-hmm. friend group, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think so anyway, but if... You know, you try to explore the benefits. Like, if you you say something about, oh, the president is this and that. Like, where is the benefit yeah. for me to respond with a rebuttal? Yeah. Like, what what are we? What would I be trying to do? Show this guy or whatever? Um. Yeah, the little ego hit, little ego beauty there, right? If I can call you out on some actual statistics of the way the economy has improved or gotten worse right. or whatever, it's like I can call you out and I'm smarter. Right. You're an idiot because you didn't, you're not going to convince anybody of anything, especially with yeah. these little facts and figures that everyone throws around now, which you can paint those statistics to look like whatever you want them to look like. So yeah. shut up. It's, it's find very, common ground, build relationships. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these ways to diffuse the, you know, because some people, they insist on talking about it or whatever. But, man, if you have control, you will. I think if you can kind of see the big picture, you will find that there's probably, probably, I don't know every situation, but probably is no reason to start talking about that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I would bet that you'd find that if you don't, the more you don't talk about this kind of stuff with this. Look, if you want to make a change in the country and do that, then do that, man. Not by arguing with your family, though. Yeah. And I think you, if you, the more arguments and debates and even talking about this stuff for the most part, the, the more that you can avoid, the more you work, you'll tangibly see benefits in the relationship, probably in your life, I think. It's my guess. I don't know. I'm going to concur. Yes, sir. All right. Next question. Next question. I started on the path at the beginning of the year, and I found that I absolutely love everything about it, especially jujitsu. 
Something I've been struggling with is sharing small accomplishments with those close to me in my life. I understand the need to check my ego, but I get excited about things like having a good role at jiu-jitsu or hitting a new PR in the gym. Makes sense, by the way. <sighs> in the gym, and I want to share that excitement with those close to me. However, those closest in my life don't have the same lifestyle and often don't understand or share my excitement at the small victories. How do you make your journey on the path less lonely while still maintaining humility and checking your ego? This is a varied question. There's a bunch of little components to this question. Uh, First of all, can you, first of all, when you're on the path, you'll meet other people that are on the path. That's what jujitsu is, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you'll meet people at jujitsu, you'll meet people at the gym, they'll be fired up when you have a great role, so you're gonna make new friends. And been on the path for, since the beginning of the year. Okay, so this is only, this isn't very long, right? Start on the path at the beginning of the year, so this isn't that long. So you're gonna make new friends which is one way that it becomes less lonely. I mean, I can't even imagine, and you and I, you and me, Echo Charles, only know each other because of jujitsu. Can you imagine, and I remember back in the day, especially kind of like you, jujitsu was, we would spend probably one quarter of the time at the gym was a social interaction of like, hey, and it was, you know, around jujitsu. Like, well, what about when this happens? And like, hey, did you watch the fights? And what did you think about this ground position? And by the way, did you see this movie? Like, so there's a social aspect that happens for real. Yeah. And look, you get to a point where you can't train anymore. I mean, you're just too freaking tired. Right. And then what are you gonna do? Just leave? Yeah. No, it's like, hey, I'm gonna chill, we're gonna talk. You know, like, we just kind of went through something together. Mm-hmm. Like, you just went through a hard training session, so you're gonna make friends. Same thing at the gym. Get a workout buddy. Now all of a sudden, that workout buddy, when you make a, a, a big lift, they're pumped. So that's cool. Mm. M- maybe you can bring some of the other people that are in your life that aren't on the path yet. Bring. Can you get them engaged in jiu-jitsu? Can you get them working out with? Can you? Are there things that you could? Can you get them eating healthy food so you're kind of stoked on the same things? So look, don't. What you shouldn't do is ram the path down other people's throat. You can't impose the path on people because they will reject it. So you kind of have to open them up and you know expose them to it without imposing it on them. So one thing you can do to help that out is, by the way, what are they into? You know, if my wife is into yoga and I say, well, like, it's, oh, my yoga class was so good, and I'm like, whatever. <laughs> You know, well, maybe I should say, oh, that's awesome. Like, what was the hardest stretch you did? Hey, maybe I, I, I wouldn't mind taking a yoga class. Let me get down there and get in that, get in there on that yoga mat. We're going to stretch it out. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to sort of re-engage or engage with the people in your life right now? Because someone's fishing, someone's into, you know, chess, someone's into guitar. Maybe pick up a guitar. Let's let's play some chess. Like, what are you doing? What am I doing? Let's let's find some some common ground there. Let's make some common ground. Mm-hmm. Um. All that being said, guess what? The path is lonely sometimes. It, it, there's a reason the path isn't crowded. It's not crowded. There's not. It's not crowded. So, what you can actually do is turn that part of being on the path to into a benefit 
because it takes a little extra to go home and not get any praise. It takes a little extra to have it all on yourself. Relish that. Relish that. I'm happy when I get done working out in the morning and my entire family's still asleep. I'm, I'm happy about that. I would love to be like, have them come up and give me a round of applause for my last, <laughs> last set of squats. Good job, dad. You're so great. You wake up early and you get after it. Yay. That's never happened before. It's never happened before. It's happened zero times. Brutal. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I like that. Mm. I like that. I like that no one's going to cheer me on. That's part of what's good about it is that you have to do it. You have to do it by yourself. That's finding and understanding the self-satisfaction, the self-gratification in those moments that you know what it's gonna feel like when you're done. That's a positive thing. Be careful of something else. I'm throwing this in as a word of caution. I've, plenty of people along the way have started to look down on the other people that are on the path. Mm. Like I'm superior, Mm. especially within your own family. I'm getting up early. I'm working out. I'm doing jujitsu. I'm eating healthy. And all of a sudden I'm better than you. Yeah. And you're not. You know who's better at you than jujitsu? Everybody that's been training a little bit longer than you. You know who's stronger than you? People that have been working out longer than you. You know who's healthier? People that maintain. uh, It has nothing. It's good that you're on the path. The path doesn't make you better. So don't look down on people. That's just a little warning. A little warning, because I've seen it hurt people before. So don't let that happen. Be thankful that you have found the path. The path is lonely. You'll make new friends. You'll make additional friends. Not new. You don't have to replace the old ones. You'll make additional friends. You'll make jujitsu friends. You'll make weightlifting friends. You'll make running friends. You'll make surfing friends. You'll make guitar friends, all good, all good. Keep the old ones too, but you found the path. Be thankful, drive on. There's a <clears throat> phenomenon, I don't know. I think I think my brother made it up, mm-hmm. an expression mm-hmm. called the magnetism of the mats. So what that is is after you train, right? Let's mm-hmm. say you did, I don't know, five, six rounds. That's mm-hmm. a solid amount of rounds right there, right? You're kind of done. You're done training. Physically, you're yeah. done. Hard to get off the mats. Though. Yes. The magnetism, the mats won't just let you leave. Unless you got something to do, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. You got to be somewhere, go. Don't be late. But if you don't, right, you don't want to just leave. Yeah. The mats won't let you leave. I Proud. remember when my kids were younger, I'd be like, oh, we're heading to jiu-jitsu. And they were like, they would be, can we come home after three hours? Yeah. Because I'd go out there, roll, train, learn a move, work on something. Yep. Then we're because also conversations lead back to jujitsu, and then we're back drilling something. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. they yeah. they lead wherever. They lead wherever. And so that's a, such a huge. So they, you know, they call it the social component or whatever. Mm. But jujitsu, bro, it's arguably, bro. I see guys coming in straight up. Majority, the primary reason they're there <laughs> is to socialize. And they, they, I don't know about all that, it, bro. What do you, bro? My brother went through a phase where that was his main jam. I think he rode like one time, one day, and the rest he was just talking to Greg and freaking, you know, talking to whatever. And here's the thing I get it. I dig it, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally think that jujitsu should be primary for myself, Mm -hmm. but 
because it, it's real and it's it's a it's where you do meet real friends. Like consider your friends. Yeah. Like, bro, you met them through jujitsu. Yeah, the, on, the only friends I have that weren't in the teams with me is jujitsu friends. Yeah. And I have a couple. Well, my band, right? So yeah. the band is my friends, but also they were like friends of the family. You know, yeah. that's a really small two groups. Just the teams and jujitsu. That's it. Yeah, you know why I think it is too. I think there's these little like unseen components to it, where okay, so the obvious ones is like you're already there for the centralized kind of interest, yeah. right? So we all we already have a common, common bond. Yeah, and so we have stuff in common. And we can do something hard together. Hard together. Mm-hmm. And jujitsu is like one of those things, and you know this probably better than me. Even it's like when you do jujitsu, when you're done, you're a happier human being. And 100%. if you versus if you don't, especially if you if you expect it to go to jujitsu and then all of a sudden you can't go, something came up, you're gonna feel like kind of unhappy, just a little tinge of unhappiness, yep. right? So I think when you go to jujitsu and you roll and you roll with your friends and you're just so hard good. and you're done. So good. Maybe you had a good day, maybe you had a, a not so good day, whatever. So you're just like in this elevated, endorphinized yep. state. And yeah. then so is the guy next to you and so is the guy next to him. So you guys all are. Yep. So every, you're just in this huge, great mood. We're all kind of stuck. All your problems are like outside the mats. <laughs> They're outside the mats. I don't want to leave these mats. I want to yeah. talk about what's going on. What's going on? Uh, what this, this, that, the other thing or whatever. Like you just want to talk and hang out. <laughs> Sun goes down. Gym is like closing. Bro, on Sundays, when I used to come on Sundays all the time, bro, they'd, the girl would like get yeah. on the speaker and say, yeah. bro, we're closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets to go. But that's real. It's 100% real It's crazy, too, because, like, me, I have many, many, but I would say 90% of my training sessions are, like, I'm in, I'm training, I'm leaving, just because I do have other shit to do. (laughs) And and when I do have, well, that's why I still recognize that there's a mat magnetism, because if I don't, cool, we're cruising. Yeah. Yeah, you figure even, like, well, the last time, the last bunch of times we rolled, I think we know we hung out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, good. And and actually, even at your house, well, we hung out at your house. Yeah, so yeah. oh yeah, that's, that's even right. we, we, we hung out even more because <laughs> the map magnetism where you just got done rolling at the house. It's like, mm, why go anywhere? Got the amenities. Yeah, at the house. yeah. So but there you go. but that's real. So it, I would say, and it's just me, where this part is real too. Where you get on some new hype and no one else is there. And it's like some self-improvement stuff and it's working for you right there. You got a double whammy conflict going right there. One, you have people not interested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, I'm not doing that. I don't know anything about that. In fact, that sounds hard to me. So why do I care about that? You're talking about squats? <laughs> it's like that doesn't appeal to me. That's A. B, you're talking with this like enthusiasm and they're going to look at you and see self-improvement. They they don't see self-improvement in, in themselves. Then you run into the way, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what? You think you're better than me? Yeah. Even if you don't, which yeah. you might. Yeah. Let's face it. That's real, too. But let's say you don't. It still can be misinterpreted like that. So yeah. you got the double. Even if you don't at all, they are still intimidated by the fact that you're out there getting better, which is horrible. Yes, sir. The that. fruit, that's horrible. Yeah. So they're mad, even though you have nothing but the best. Maybe you don't even care. Maybe you're like, yeah. look, I don't care if you guys ever do, you just don't care. Yeah. But, but they still are kind of like, ooh. Oh, yeah. The best move, I think, for this kind of situation, I think it, just by deducing kind of all the little little elements is try not to like change in their presence. Try to like be the exact same person mm-hmm. that just happens to have the benefits. Yeah, and it's, then focus all the enthusiasm and excitement with your new jujitsu friends. Yeah, that's Probably the jam right call. there. 
Yeah, that being said, you do want to help people in the world. And if you can help them by letting them know a little bit that, hey, the jiu-jitsu is good, the the squat rack is good, I'm feeling good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you gotta use extra caution on that one because people are so mad when you're like into fitness and they're not, or they're into jiu-jitsu and they're not. I I found, and I'm trying to think of it from the other side. Like when have I ever been like, curious like hey what are you doing like you you're you seem more happy Mm. or you seem more in shape like what are you doing you know that whole thing because that's real too Mm. where if you just be normal you but you just happen to be in better shape you just happen to have a better attitude about life in general whatever i'm not you're not preaching no like hey exercise all day you're not saying nothing you're just a more pleasant person Mm. and you're in shape people are going to notice it yeah, and you're not throwing anything in their face. In fact, you're like not even talking about. It. You're talking about the normal stuff you'd be talking about anyway with them, and they'll be like, "Hey, what's up with like what have you been doing?" Or whatever. Oh man, I found this new thing. All good. Yeah, let let them figure it out. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. A positive way to do it, just yeah. like everything else. Just like everything else. Got time for one more? All right, last question. question. Jocko, I was curious how you managed to have a successful military transition and stay on the path. I was in the United States Air Force Thunderbirds. Which is, an, which is the Air Force aerial demonstration team. And I separated after that assignment. I've been out now for three years. I'm having trouble staying on the path and crushing my sales career. After I left Thunderbirds, that label continues to carry forward with me. I'm kind of stuck in this loop where it's hard for me to move on from the prestige accolades and my 15 minutes of fame while I was in. When I talk to my old buddies who are still in, it makes me want to get off this path and jump back into the military setting. My question, they, they question my decision of getting out and getting into sales and other entrepreneurial ventures. What are some good ways to mentally stay on the path? Are you not gonna read where he wrote Echo Charlie for president? Because <laughs> he wrote that. <laughs> okay, oh yeah, I didn't notice so that. It kind of made me Echo think. Echo Charlie for president, yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Kind of made me question his judgment, but you know, we're going with it anyways. Yeah, what path is he talking Actually, about? Actually, right, you, you know, if, the world kind of aligned around your presidency, it, it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, it wouldn't. <laughs> you know, if everyone was like, if there was a ticker tape parade and it was like, cool, Echo Charlie's president, we're cruising. Maybe, yeah, maybe like three you know? day week- weekend, maybe four day weekend. Yeah. Here and there, all good. People could kind of rally around it a little bit. I would bring back the siesta, I'll tell you that. Wait, yeah. is it siesta? Yeah, yeah siesta, right? Siesta. The nap. A lot of countries have that. America's not one of them. Maybe Hawaii. Does Hawaii have it? No. No. America doesn't, not down with the siesta. It's a real thing. In yeah. Europe, for sure. Like, eat lunch, go to sleep. Right. Hey, I'm going to go to sleep right now. Yeah, well, you know how, like, sushi restaurants have that. Really? I mean, I don't know if it's a siesta, but I don't, I don't even know if it's a version of that. But sushi, sushi restaurant traditionally, uh, 11 to 2.30, close, mm-hmm. open back up at 5 or 5.30 for dinner. Okay. They close. A little nap time. Something. Probably something rest, you know, <laughs> midday rest or whatever. In Hawaii, you're just on Hawaiian time. Yeah. So there's a lot of latitude and yeah, just in general, it's just flowing. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And I'm, I was thinking about that because it's kind of rude to come late to something. It's very rude, you know. In to, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, but what if everyone has the, the same attitude? It's not rude <laughs> at all. Actually, it's yeah, kind of cool. Just the way it is. In Everybody. fact, I'll even do you one better. It's kind of rude to have this rigid expectation on everyone. You see what I'm saying? It's you. Nice reframing of the (laughs) argument. I like that. You done good. You learned. I'm just saying. Reframe that argument. All of a sudden, everyone that wants people to be on time is rude and a bad person. Yeah. Interesting reframing. 
I don't know though. You ever say, hey, um, hey, we're gonna. I don't know. We're gonna come to my house. Come, come at two. You know, we'll we'll do whatever, mm-hmm. right? X Y Z. Then I show up at one thirty. Like, bro, I'm not ready for you now. Yeah. I said two at at one fifty five. I'm still I would, doing shit. I, in that particular scenario, I'd rather have someone come a half an hour late than a half an hour early because yeah. I was doing something else. Oh yeah, exactly I'm busy. right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So All it's right. either come right right on time. Yeah. Or just expect you know. Then again, it probably depends. It depends where you are, man. Context. Context matters. Check. All right. So for this individual that was in the Air Force, in Thunderbirds yeah. respect, mm-hmm. uh, the path is hard. Yep. The path isn't supposed to be easy. Look, so how, so my transition, you got to find a new mission. And it sounds like you found your new mission, which is sales and entrepreneurship, which is cool. Here, Here's the thing that you're, that's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Will will creating a business and being a salesperson or being an entrepreneur will will that ever get the same instant and universal accolades as military service? You know what I mean? It it won't. It won't. And on top of that, are there aspects of military service that you're gonna miss? Yes, there are. Do I miss the teams and the team guys and the mission? Do I miss them now? Every single day. So, and look, if you've gotta do some deep digging to see if maybe that is what you truly wanted to do, and maybe you got out and you shouldn't have, if that's a possibility, maybe you go talk to you know, the reserves and see if you can get back in the reserves. Maybe even think about going active duty. Here's the thing. The grass is always going to be greener on the other side. It's going to, you've probably after three years forgotten about all the bullshit that you put up when you're in the military because you put up with some bullshit. I've forgotten about all of it. If, you know, when I look back now, my entire military career, every day was the funnest you know, every day we did something fun and cool and we hung out and everyone was on board and there was no politics. Come on. There's all kinds of politics in the military. There's all kind of dumb shit you had to do all the time. But you forget about that stuff. So the grass is always going to be greener. Now, here's what I can tell you, and I think this is probably the, the crux of what I would say. The military is an honorable thing. And like I said, you're never going to get that same kind of prestige out of the gate universally. It doesn't matter if you put a freaking Marine Corps, a Marine Corps corporal and stood the Marine Corps corporal next to Jeff Bezos, Mm -hmm. most people have more universal respect and treat that, treat freaking the Marine Corps corporal. They'd be like, hey, props. Good. Hey, thanks for your service. No one says thanks for your service. No one goes up to Jeff Bezos and is like, hey, really, thanks for creating Amazon because I like getting packages. Mm. They're not doing that. They think that lucky bastard or whatever. Oh, I mean, yeah. everyone kind of jealous of them or whatever. <laughs> but they're, they, don't, they don't like have that. That guy did, you know, they, at a minimum, at a minimum, they think that Marine did that for me. Jeff Bezos did that for him, for himself. Mm. So, so you have that whole thing to deal with. Now, here's the deal. The military wouldn't exist without the American economy. It wouldn't exist. So 
You served in the military, which is awesome. Thanks for your service. Now you're serving America in a different way. What you're doing is you're building our economy, which is the most powerful force in the world, which allows the US military to exist, which allows America to have influence over the world. The American economy has has more, I was gonna say at least as much, the American economy has much more influence than the military does with the vast majority of the world that we interact with. That's, the, the military is influential in certain situations, for sure, but most of the time, the biggest influence we have is through our economy, how we help build other nations, we help, we help with trade, we help them create things, we buy things that they create. So what you're doing right now, even though it's a different sort of service to America, the best thing you could do right now is go out and build an awesome company. Go out and sell a bunch of whatever it is you're selling. Go out, continue down that entrepreneurial path. That's awesome. That is a method of service. And Jeff Bezos is serving America by building a giant company like Amazon and employing tens of hundreds of thousands of people and moving product all around the world and all around the country and setting up logistics and building buildings, all that stuff is employing all kinds of people that's building our economy. So yes, props to the Marine Corporal, props to Jeff Bezos, props to you right now with what you're doing. That's your new mission. So go at it and kick ass. And thank you for your service. And thank you all, everyone that's listening, for joining us. And thank you for supporting the cause on the underground. Um, you know the deal. If you want to support some American other stuff, you can go to originusa.com. You can go to jockofuel.com. You can go to jockostore.com. You can get one of the books that I've written. You can check out echelonfront.com. You can check shit out if you want to. We appreciate it. We appreciate you helping us out here. Look, there's weird stuff happening in the world. That's for damn sure. People getting banned. Videos getting taken down. We got this. We appreciate it. We appreciate you allowing us to have this. If you want us on the interwebs, at Echo Charles, at Jocko Willink. And thank you for joining. Thank you for supporting. Don't go out there and argue with people. It's not benefiting you in any way, and you're not, this is the sad part, you're not gonna convince anybody. <laughs> you're not gonna change anybody's mind. Not through direct attacks, it doesn't work. All right, that's it for the underground today. We'll be here, we'll be getting after it. We hope you are doing the same. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko, out. <laughs>